Hi, and welcome to Designer Discussions. Today, we are super excited to talk to you about making the perfect marketing plan for 2022 with the Designer Discussions team. Welcome to the Designer Discussions podcast. Tune in each week where we discuss marketing, branding, PR, and business advice for design professionals. Okay, Jason, so we're into 2022 and everybody is thinking about how they're going to plan out their year and execute those plans. And I am a stickler for strategy. And I think it's really important that you look at your plans in a strategic way. So we're you're going to talk about the marketing plan in particular, but um, in order to do that, right, you first have to have a goal. You have to set your overall goals for your business. And I know there's a gazillion people out there um, who teach you how to do that. But then the marketing plan and the PR plan also should really feed into those overall goals so you can hold yourself accountable and at the end of the year, see if you have reached your goals, right? So Jason, when you have your business goals, let's assume the business goals are set. So how do you go about creating an effective marketing plan that can support those goals? Good points. Good points, Miriam. I would say it all starts with a plan. There's a quote that I like to use from Dave Ramsey. He says, a goal without a plan is a dream. And and it's so true. Like we all have these astronomical goals that we're after, but how do we set a plan to make that stuff happen? Next month, I'll be at the KBiz event and I'm going to do a session on this. And what one of the things that I'm going to talk about is setting the goals and the targets And then you want to start with the end of the year and then you want to create quarterly goals and then the monthly. So you want to reverse engineer everything. So you want to start at the end of the year. How much do you want to make? What are your revenue goals for 2022? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be double where you are now? And so that begins the framework. So once you know what that is, now you can reverse engineer. So, okay, say, for instance, I want to make two million next year. Now I could say, okay, I could divide that by 12. So this is how much I need to make per month. Now you could say, okay, well, how much do my services cost? So how many people do I need to have on board to meet that monthly goal? And now you could reverse engineer that and say, when I talk to 10 people, how many do I close? Do I close two out of 10, four out of 10? So that's that's your closing ratio. Now, if I need to make X amount a month and I need five per month and I have like a 25% closing ratio, I need to talk to 20 people. Now you're actually setting up the plan. So you know what you want to make at the end of the year. You know what you need to do monthly. You know how many people you need to have to fit that goal. And now we can say, okay, how do I attract 20 people or leads to talk to? And so that's where we're going to get into the weeds next month when I have that, but I'll be high level here. But there's a number of platforms. There's a number of of avenues that you can take. One being SEO, social media, video, but we have the top 10 digital marketing trends for the year. And one of them I'm going to start with that we talked about in episode 19 was email marketing. (laughs) So we talked about email marketing. And 
a lot of people sleep on this avenue, but email marketing is vital because as we saw last year with the Facebook debacle, Facebook went down and all of their all, all of their properties, WhatsApp, Instagram, everything went down. So a lot of business owners found out firsthand what it's like to not have social media. And the two things I always preach about is having your own website and your own in your own email list because you own those properties. So email is vital. So I'm not going to get into that a whole lot because if you head back to episode 19, I get into depth on that. So that's one I'm going to talk about. Next video. We all know video is hot and Instagram changed their whole algorithm last year based on video because they were getting their butts kicked by TikTok. And so, and so now they're into the video realm. So if you have an image or a static post, it does not get the same attention or engagement as a video. There are some tricks that you can do in terms of that. And Maria, later on, she's going to talk about, not in this episode, but in a future episode about TikTok and what she's learned from that, that can help you out there. But in terms of what I hear from designers not knowing what to do a video on, what I tell a lot of designers is just look at what you do every day. Your processes is, is an aspect that separates you from other designers. Video that. Video what, what it's like working with you so the end user or your potential client can see what it's like working with you over the other designer down the street. So you can start to differentiate yourselves from others. And when you are on video, now people get to know, like, and trust you. That is the differentiating factor that will separate you from others. So video is vital. The last one I want to touch on is having an omnipresent approach. And what that means is like some people call that omnichannel where you're everywhere that the end user is. So first of all, we're going to first define who is your target audience. So you need to do this. And there's a mini episode. I mean, there's a mini exercise that we had in episode six where we had talked about how to define your target audience. So re-look at that. And then there's an exercise in there. I won't talk about that. But once you define your audience, now you can use that to say, okay, where are they? What platforms are they on? And so now you can have an omni-channel or an omnipresent approach to meet them where they are. And you could develop a message that resonates with them. And so those are the three things that I really want to touch on that once you know your numbers, you could break that down to monthly. And now you know how many people you need to sign up. And then you know how many leads you need to talk to to meet based on your closing rate. Then you could start to get into the weeds of how do I get these leads so I can grow my business. I like that you're taking control over what your income is going to be this upcoming year through a marketing plan. I think a lot of people think that business is just what your processes are, what your business strategy is, and your current referral base of clients. And this is really pulling back and showing that one third of all business is marketing. And if you don't have a marketing plan, and if you're not proactively marketing your business, you cannot predict your growth. You cannot change your trajectory. You cannot improve your clientele base. Um, you are 100% dependent on what you already have 
And if you don't like where you are and you do want to grow moving forward, it is going to be essential to understand that it's in your marketing plan that you can make those changes. Just to talk about that too, and just emphasize that writing down your goals is vital. One of the things I'm going to also talk about is there was a Harvard study done where they interviewed graduates. 84% of the graduates that they interviewed had no specific goals. 13% of them wrote the goals down that they actually wanted to achieve. And then 3% had specific plans of how they were going to accomplish those goals. And what they found out the 13% that wrote down goals made twice as much as the 84% that did not. And then the 3% made 97% more. I mean, made almost triple as much more as the other 97%. So having the goals and writing them down and then having specific plans is what you need to do. As you said, Miriam, everyone at this time is going to have, you know, they're going to hear from everybody. Here's how you plan or whatever. But whatever you decide to do, make sure you write it down and you have a plan of action to accomplish it and you follow up with it at least quarterly to see if you've hit the mark. And if not, you could revisit why did you not hit the mark? What do you need to change so you're on track? But if you're not tracking it, nothing will get done. It's so true. And I'm just curious um, to get your perspective, Jason, because when you said goals, there's different philosophies, right? You can be just humble or not ambitious and just set goals that you pretty much know you can achieve, or you can be a little bit more ambitious, or you can sort of, you know, shoot for the stars. It's like, what, what is your recommendation? It's like, what do you do for your business? You know, how, how ambitious do you think people should be when they set their goals? We actually, honestly, we do both. So I, I have the practical way with the team that we actually set with the team on where we want to be at the end of the year. And then I also have my aspirational ones as well. And so I actually do two plans. I don't recommend that for everybody because they may not have time to do that, but you want to do the practical one based on your growth. See, if you analyze where you were last year, where you were the last couple of years and see what your percent is, that needs to foretell, okay, am I happy with that? So if I've grown 15% a year, am I happy with that? Or do I want to grow further? And if you do, you need to be a little more aspirational. So you could put your own feet to the fire and hit those goals. But if you're happy with where your growth trend is, then you just need to have more of a practical approach of how I grow in these next few months and into the year. So really look at where you were over the last few years to see if you're happy. And if not, you may need to change up some things. But if you're new, then I would suggest you either look at the competition, you hire a coach. Or you do something because you don't have you don't have that track record, you know, to lean on. I think that's so smart <clears throat> and so interesting. I've actually never heard that that you would have two plans, but it makes so much sense to me. And I think part of being happy with where you are and where you want to go is is not just about your business too, but you also have to be realistic of what the impact is on your life. And I see this in my own. Um, business as well, because you know, you'd like to be ambitious, but then you end up working so much 
that it negatively impacts the rest of your life, you know? So I think there's all these, not just the business marketing um, questions, but the the work balance that, that needs to feed into it as well. One other item I would tie into that is when you create your plan, have an accountability partner, whether that be somebody on your team, whether that be your spouse, whether that be your business partner, somebody that actually knows that you have these goals and plans in place so they can hold you accountable. Because if you only do it for you and you hide it, (laughs) then it'll be easier for you to say, well, I didn't meet the goal, so it's not a big deal. But if you have somebody else holding you accountable and that will meet with you every quarter and to say, okay, you said you were going to be or you were going to do X, Y, Z, where are you? And so if you don't have an answer or if you haven't met that, which, you know, it happens, life happens, as you said, but they could then ask the next question. Why? Why didn't you hit that? And so now you really got to look in yourself. Did I do everything I was supposed to do or that I needed to do to hit the goal? So having an accountability partner is just as important as developing the goal and the plans. So Miriam, um, uh, the guy that is on Shark Tank recently published a couple of videos where he said what he looked at were his female-run businesses were um, having lower turnover of employees and faster growth than his men-run companies. And they said that strategically women tend to place attainable goals along the way, and it makes the employees have higher morale, whereas the men only set the one aspirational goal that they have for themselves, and that causes a lot of drag on the employee base. So actually, you should have two sets of goals. You should have one set of goals for your employees, and those should be these attainable this is the standard growth. Let's see if we're doing better in our growth. And then you should have an aspirational goal. And one thing that can be really helpful is sometimes when you look at your aspirational goal, instead of looking at it like, I want to make money and put it in my pocket, you can say, I want to add value. So it's a lot easier to say, because we can start to see it, because it's very easy to see that you know, one year my goal was to um, add $1 million of value that year. And I did that within six weeks on two real estate investments for people. And so once you start realizing that you're adding such high levels of value and such short windows of time, you start to start to see who you are and what your value is differently than if you were to just say, I want to make an extra $100,000 or make $100,000 or do a million dollars in revenue. Um, You can start to see that maybe your power is somewhere else uh, in what the value is that you're providing. And so you can also look at it from a value uh, provider perspective as well for your aspirational goal. I love that so much. Wow. That's really good. Just to add into that, as we plan for this year, I want us to also remember our why. Most business owners did not open or start their own business firm to make money. It was to achieve something, whether it's to have your time back, or to spend time with family, whether it was to travel. So what is your why? So really understand that. And when you plan for this year, make sure to add that into your plan. So if you had in there, I want to spend more time with whoever that is, make sure you also plan that in as well. Because if you forget your why, sometimes that leads to burnout. 
So remember what your why is and add that into your planning as well. I love Simon Sinek, you know, who wrote Start With Why. (laughs) So yes, yes, very smart guy. One thought that I had to, and it ties in a little bit with what Maria said about value, because that's, I feel like that is something you can control to a certain point. Whereas when you set these goals that are, um, that are, that are outcome focused, it's like there things can happen that are not within your control and, and you can definitely miss your goal. I'm sure we, we all have in the past, but so in my field in PR, um, it's it's very soft, right? And there's a lot of things you don't have control over. So one way that I like to look at it and one way that I like to plan is that I I plan for what I can control. So it's basically how much effort I put into it, you know, the activities that I'm going to undertake that um, will hopefully lead me to my goal. but in PR, it's like, you never know if that project is actually going to end up in the issue, or maybe it gets bumped for something else, but you have to set yourself up for success. And you have to do, you have to put in all the work and all the effort to, to, to maximize your chances of achieving your goals. So I like to track not just results, but I'm like, if I said, I'm going to send out five pitches this month and I did it, that's a win, you know? So that's another way I like to I like to plan and I like to track because it it's it's achievable because it's in my control and it, I don't have to rely on other people to get there. And if you share it in a group and hold yourself accountable to those standards, we do this in in my membership. It definitely helps because a year is a long time, you know, and maybe in January, you're all fired up, you know, and you're going like above and beyond and you go crazy. And then, then you get tired, you know, and you get busy and it just gets hard to, to stick with it. So having that accountability, I agree a hundred percent with you, Jason is absolutely critical. I started writing a blog post about this. Um, It's sort of like being pregnant. You are having a baby. You're super excited about it. You spend all this time and energy planning for the baby. And then once the baby gets there, it's that first trimester after the baby's born that you realize what parenting and having a baby is actually about. And that is also what- Worse when you have twins, let me tell you. (laughs) That is what marketing is for interior design. We all have this great- ability to make beautiful homes and produce these great projects. But if we aren't using what we've created, we aren't experiencing the whole aspect of owning a business and having something that can grow on its own and having something that will grow and develop and continue on beyond what we are doing. And so it's super important to just take a step back, Start looking at your marketing. This is what Designer Discussions covers is a lot of the marketing essentials that each designer should be doing for their business. We have some really great podcasts coming up this year. They're going to cover some of the small details, the little things we can be doing on a weekly basis that can truly impact this without us having to have that marketing degree that it appears we all need, right? So I'm super excited to have you here. Please subscribe to our podcast. And we have so much great content for you coming in 2022.
And if you're going to be at KBiz, we want you to come by and see us in our booth. And we have free exhibit hall passes for anybody who's interested, but you got to get in touch with us, send us your email so we can get you that opportunity. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Designer Discussions. What was your takeaway? Care to share your thoughts and tag Jason, Maria, and Miriam on social media? You can find them on all platforms at designerdiscussions.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave a review or comment for this episode from wherever you are listening.